This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. I'm here with my co-host, Jason, trying to get banned from Facebook Callwell, and Zach Louie. Oh, hello. He's got a Baphomet picture in his background every week. He's just tempting Facebook, like, do something about it. Yep, because somebody thinks that is terrorism. So tonight's show will be about talismans outside the box and how to use what you got to actually make talismans. And not just make talismans, but prosper with talismans. And we had a good conversation before the show just to see where we wanted to take things. You know, and there's a lot of back and forth with talismans if you read the materials or if you listen really to other shows, other artists, other people selling talismans. Everyone seems to have a lot of different things to say about talismans. We want to focus on talismans not of any one particular tradition, but talismans that don't necessarily fall within the range of normal by-the-book talismans, which we maybe in our discussion decided we were not fans of. But I'll leave it started off right there. Yeah, I mean, there is a pragmatic view we have, and then there is, we've all done like very traditional talismans in some regards. So this is very much where we look at things and say, okay, what? is even the definition of a talisman, right? I think that's a good way to start off the show because listeners might not even know. They might be confusing them with other definitions. So, Jason, what's your take of a talisman? My take of a talisman is a physical object imbued with magical purposes. I might not use the word magic, but it's pretty close. Physical object imbued with a resonance for a certain purpose. I don't like the word magic because people... I like the word magic, but some people don't like the word magic and it doesn't actually... I don't know. It confuses some people. It gets in the way. You know, is cursing fairies on TikTok magic? Uh, I mean, that's the running joke, but I mean, really, like, if we're talking about uh, if we're talking about a certain object with a certain resonance, well, a nonlinear resonance, I should probably specify that. That's a pretty exact definition. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's so many different formats to that, because it's like, I know some people are like, well, is a talisman an amulet? Is an amulet a talisman? What about these paper things? All right. Anyone who says that an amulet's not a talisman is just doing semantic terrorism to sell more stuff. They can- Absolutely. I, I've heard lots of people saying, oh, amulets are special things. I'm like, isn't that just a talisman? They're like, no, it's supposed to do specific functions. I'm like, that's what you do with a talisman. <laughs> oh, wait. Isn't that what a talisman does? It's usually supposed to be specific purpose. So, you know, I guess if you're in the business of selling amulets, they're be- they're talisman 2.0. They're better than talismans because... They start with an A. Yeah, they're, they're alphabetically better. A- absolutely, right? They start with an A. Talisman's a T. Clearly, uh, amulet's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
There, that's how we started off the show, just ripping on definitions. Right. Actually, it's kind of important because uh, the talisman versus sigil kind of thing is a little bit diff more difficult because in Taoist magic, your talismans and sigils get burned. So the methods look like what how normal chaos magic, sigil magic goes, where you make the sigil and then you burn it at the end of the ritual. That's exactly like, I mean... You don't have to burn it, but you somehow get rid of it in chaos magic, but more often than not, what is it? I know, like, well, we talked about this even a few, I think, a few days ago, maybe a week ago, but it's like the definition, difference between Sigil and Dallas Talisman. There's different classes, even in Taoism, where there's your typical, like, I, even Shinto does this. You take the paper talismans, and you do the Sigil, or you do the work with it, and then you burn it right away. Or you actually keep it on you and you can literally use the paper talisman and just leave it there as a permanent talisman. So there's definite uh, uses upon that depending on what result you're trying to gain. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can take the ashes of the paper you're burning and imbue it into wax or something like that for other magical purposes too. Right. A little bit, this does get a little bit more um, dicey on definitions, but maybe we should just start off by agreeing it's something that we intend to have some permanence. Absolutely. What do you think, Jason? Can you agree to that one? Yeah. All right. So then then we can fundamentally kind of in our discussion separate out what is a sigil from a talisman based on the permanence. And that's just our working definition. So, you know, this is actually a problem. Even us trying to define this and go forward is a problem when you read most of the books. I feel like they're not defining what their terms mean. And the reason we did this in the first part of the show is because if we're not in agreeing what the language means, how can we even talk about it? A lot of these times... The books, competing books do not agree on what the definition is um, at all. Like, so you get talisman here is not the same here and it's not the same here. But we at least have a working definition that we're going to work with the, the rest of the show. And the thing about talismans and the why, why I initially said was resonance is because that gets, it encompasses a lot of the, I think, core issues with talismans. You want a talisman for a certain purpose, not maybe so specific like, I want this person, well, it could be as specific as I want to draw this person to my life, but usually it's more general. And it, it, the idea of talismans in general is that they're supposed to work even if you're not consciously focusing on them. Right. And I think that's actually really important because it's like the whole idea is it's supposed to be working for you when you're not paying attention so you can do other things. Right. Right. I mean, this is why you would spend so much time to craft a talisman and then go do something else. Because it's supposed to be, when you make it and you're working on the talisman work, it's active work. When you're actually, you know, you just have it, it's a passive magical practice that works when you're working, like at work, on computer science, or in Jason's case, working on his fire trucks, or... Well, Zach, you have a magical job, so... Yeah, I, I do, so... Qualify, I mean, I mean, you literally work at people's energy system. That's your job, I mean... That's so. my job. We call that acupuncture in the old days. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just so many different perspectives. But if we take this long-term permanence, uh, or at least a longer time period, say, like, at least longer than a week, I think that's fair to say. And Maybe not. Right? What is the single thing that we were do, doing to increase the healing potency of acupuncture in the clinic? Right. One-time use. But we were blessing the needles extensively and continuously to boost the healing effects of the actual steel needles that you use in acupuncture. Now, 
but that's still like, you know, when I think about it from a sigil comparison, the sigil is one and done in terms of, but there was like those needles still held that resonance, even though it was a one-time use. And it, I mean, it has to be a one-time use because uh, in acupuncture, we have to dispose of the needles. Well, yes, medical procedures, one-time use. However, like from a sigil standard, it's still a one-time use, but the, I, I find the time standard still different. You put your intention into doing the sigil and then you burn it up right away. Well, in classic sigil magic, I mean, we're talking about classic from the 80s. I don't know. That's not really classic when we compare to like what 15th century magic or you know egyptian magic zero bc right zero but in classic sigil magic i guess and you you're literally supposed to forget the sigil so you're trying to destroy it as soon as the ritual is over but you know there's other variations that don't look like that that we've used i mean certainly in chicago you know before i was a married man we would go to the bars and put sigils imbued to create more chaos in a good way not in a bad way all around the bar we would just tape them up no not big sigils obviously but small ones the whole purpose was that would create a resonant morphic field that would just make weirdness happen in a certain place that uh, otherwise wouldn't have weirdness associated with it right, right from from jason's paranormal type of thing it would be considered to make a temporary area where paranormal activity could occur in a more frequent reality way like that could be measured such as temperature changes or oddities or other things that may fit the bill of paranormal activity in a positive way but we called those chaos bombs it was a thing and we would do that uh, we get to about like about 10 or 12 in a bar and actually start seeing odd events occur well in a positive way for you and your friends. I mean, I don't know if everyone else is a willing participant, but hey. <laughs> right? A good time. <laughs> if you're making the effectiveness of alcohol go up, it's probably positive. Yeah, it's not like we haven't all done something along those lines. <laughs> right? Well, we, we have. We have. I'm just poking you in the ribs there, bud. But I'm just saying, you know. I subscribe to the Nietzschean philosophy of morality that I am a titanic force of the world that's beyond good and evil, as I believe all magicians are. Now, what do you got to say to that, Jason? Now your rip pokes doesn't make any sense when I like spill the beans on that one. I I agree, but I'm I'm gonna have some fun with you anyway. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know you've drinking my I've given you lots of drinks. Do you know what's in them? Oh. It's called spirits for a reason, dude. Actually, it gets into an interesting thing, right? You know, we're talking about talismans and the Goetia. You know, you, you got to make the seals. Although, if I personally get enough wealth, I'm going to make all the seals out of metal just to see what happens. But who really has the money for an ounce of gold to make a king seal out of? Yeah, that, that is um, some pretty hefty wealth there. No, I mean, I have the money, but would I spend it on that or a new computer or a car? Right. I mean, practically, computer, car. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and that's the other thing. We, we've talked about your computer that you're working on right now, I think, Zach, right? Yeah, I am. That talisman was extensively blessed. It is by me, and I gifted it to my buddy, Zach. But that is not at all a classical talisman. It is, it's an apple. <laughs> you know, it's got glass. It's got plastic. But it seems to hold a resonance just fine, right? Like some, but then on the flip side of that, we have examples where in practice, so particular about the materials that we're using that it may not even exist anywhere else in the world. But again, that's what we have. 
I mean, we use a clay for certain talismans that, as far as we can tell, only exist in one part of northern Ohio. We've never seen it anywhere else. And we use that for certain magical talismans of greater power, but we couldn't even have found this clay without the direction of the spirits directly. So, I mean, if that was in a book, what are we going to say? Get clay from the River Nile? And, you know, at that point, what are we going to do? How is anyone else going to get that material? Well, and I think that's a really good point you brought. It's like, you know, even if we use the joke, it's like, oh, it's from the Nile. It's like, what part of the Nile is it from specifically? Like, now you get into these real nuanced details of, well, how special is a particular location? Or are we talking about a general area or both? Well, I mean, these materials for talismans, I mean, let's go back to the resonance point, right? We're all agreement. We like paper talismans a whole lot. Yep. You know, although like the ghetto method that Zach uses that he discussed in previous to the show, I'm just not a fan of, I got to say, like, you just print it out from the internet and it works fine. Uh, Come on. Really? Just draw it. Draw the talisman out. Come on, Zach. Really? But it works. Works. Does all the resonance. I mean, personally, I'm morally offended by that, but that, I mean, I'm not morally offended by that, but I'm just, my aesthetic sense is offended. Like, you know. You you know, like, I'm going to back, I'm going to back Andre up on that, Zach. Like, when we all get together and do, like, say, traditional voodoo stuff, how we're drawing out this, the veves with our hands, with the cornmeal. I, we would have, maybe we don't go that route with the demons, as in using, like, some kind of physical substance, but we do, like, I, like, draw my demonic seals with, with my hand and a pen. Sure, sure. And my take on that is... Ooh, I should say, like, it's not like... It's all, we haven't, I haven't even done any of that kind of work in a while. It always comes up in the show. It's like we're just like rating, clickbaiting at this point on the, this point. But that's okay, whatever. You know, this is like, this is ghetto method, right? Would I say from the resident standard, is it ideal? Absolutely, I would agree with you guys. No, it's not. From a time standard, I'm kind of like, how many things do I have to bless? Because I know I'm going to sit down and do ritual work with it. So at that point, this is where I kind of take that for granted in some ways where i'm like well fuck it the magic's going to be the same regardless clearly we're not on para x anymore because of what you just said there correct correct (laughs) i mean but the thing is is too like this is the thing most of the classic grimoires and the classic techniques here comes the cue for hate mail are so aristocratic they're done by people who didn't have to work there you go Send your hate mail to Andrea gmail.com. But besides that, like, if you can spend five days on a gold talisman carving it, of course it's going to hold the resonance more than someone who prints out a talisman of the spirit. You literally have done five days of ritual work. Every second you're carving that with intention and focus is time that you're putting, res- you're dipping your intention and energy into it. So this is why people would basically say this is why it's the way to do it. Except what I think, Zach, you are basically saying is it's inefficient for the result. It's basically, your argument is an efficiency argument. It's cost and time versus the end result. Correct. I'll get the end result either way. So while this might work 10 times or 100 times better, it doesn't matter because I already got the result I was looking for. Correct. And even on those particular yantras, because if anyone was at the old studio, I had like yantras up, which is Hindu talismans, and they were based around the planets. I actually picked a specific time. I corresponded to the day. So I may not have the materials, but I activated it supposedly by traditional standards in that regard. 
I don't know if that would be necessary. I don't know. I've never been a fan of the time as much. I might be more of a fan that the materials hold resonance more. But certainly if you have a strong mental construct on astrological times and with the planets, it's going to make a difference because you have already have this meta idea that it matters a lot. And there's a psychological investment I had with that. I mean, at some points, even mapping out on the day, it was like, okay, Friday at this time. I'm like, well, shit, I got to clear my whole calendar just to make the ritual to do this. Right. Good point. Like, you you guys have seen me basically uh, do shamanic work where, oh, look at the time. I have to clear out two days. I'm in the forest at seven in the morning, wandering until, until it closes. And then, you know, then we're doing ritual work. But it's basically like... That is in itself adding energy to the whole process of the ritual uh, because of the fact that we're wandering. That wandering and not doing anything else, it's still with intention. It's still kind of building energy as time into the whole process of the ritual construction. Correct. And this is where, like, that's where it's optimally, sure, I, I should probably use some herbal mixture or dry it out. But the investment was coming from clearing the calendar, knowing it has to be on this day at this time. I'm building up. I was actually doing the psychological, emotional work to get there. But did that build up the talisman or did it build up the ritual? Well, is there a difference at that point? Because I'm entering the ritual to do the talisman work. But is there a difference? Because it could be a difference because you have to imbue the talismans with the essence. So, like, is the ritual more effective and that increases the, the resonance or because it has more behind it or is it because the materials? We're still getting back to the do the materials really matter? Like, right. Sure, the time matters because you said there was a greater psychological investment, which means really there's an element like we discussed in voodoo of sacrifice actually making a big difference. So in voodoo, I would consider food a talisman. Do you guys agree? Yeah, absolutely. In Hinduism, I would consider food a talisman. Literally in Hinduism, when you do a homa or a puja, you literally bless the food and you are supposed to consume it. And that gets into your system. So at this point, like, again, that doesn't have much permanence either, but it's not fire and forget. But it is supposed to be imbued. And then that's how the magic actually gets into your system. It's not the only way. Obviously, you know, when you do the mantra work, you're actually still getting the facts. But you're supposed to consume that so the spirit can directly interact with your your psyche, your body, your whole energy system. Right. And even from a Tao standard, it's like, okay, if we take this sigil method, it's like, why do they burn up? Well, they're still using the ashes. And they usually put that to water that you drink or you're putting it on your skin still. So it absorbs into you. That's a different style talisman, right? Right permanent but it's not permanent then either because it's basically using the body to break that down in like 30 days so i mean this is the same thing when we make herbal baths right we are blessing the herbs continuously so you know and then basically taking a bath because the chemicals the molecules literally of the herbs that are in the bath water is what sticks to the skin and imbues in skin with certain properties so the skin becomes the actual talisman at that point which would seem a little weird but that's not too much different than actually making a mojo bag to hold materials now it's not too much different or drinking a tea which takes several days to get out of your system so that's still your body is being talismanically imbued based on the definition we made earlier in the show which is why we define things first but i don't think everyone listening would see that as a talisman that oh okay at this point your body is a talisman but that's almost the whole point of many personal alchemy systems of of magic is to make your body talismanically imbued right and the idea like there's many different definitions around that and how they want to view it but if you're viewing your body as a talisman you can take that anywhere Right, compared to, say, making an altar that is a talisman, which is ritual objects. 
Well, I think that's when people do not associate your altar construction as a talismanic thing. But even if you're doing different rituals on there, on your altar, you're doing multiple rituals, the altar is literally starting to hold a charge or a resonance. It may not have the same resonance, but it's certainly getting a resonance that we can define as nonlinear, like as in what you guys would call magic. And what what everyone would call magic, except when I'm being contrary. If somebody was psychic, they could pick up there was something weird about a table that you had done numerous rituals over or a room. And that whole room was becoming talismanic over time. So that's an example of a process of almost an unintentional talisman creation or intentional if you're going through it. Well, absolutely. I mean, let's even verify that point. It's like our clinic, by all means, we've done a lot of work in that space. And when people walk in, they're like, "Uh, this doesn't feel like anything else outside of the space. Well, that was more intentional, though. Right actually set out to make the whole space talismanic. It, like the whole space is intended to be a healing center. I mean, we got to keep stop using the word clinic because we're a center. Studio center, yes. <laughs> right. right. Well, you know, clinic implies health, but we're going to be doing performance art, you know, soon enough. Soon enough. Sooner than later. So the thing is, even that is intended, that was intended. And in fact, like it was so intended, even with the paint, we're mixing in things with the paint additives to the paint to actually make it talismanic. And, and this is something that, I mean, Jason has seen me do. Yeah. Like, but you did that in the, the center. You know, this is something that we've done, even when we're doing artistic type of endeavors, where each paint has a different kind of corresponding ingredient that will make it talismanic that we're actually then layering. And that's one thing that people forget. We're working with materials we have. So we're, here we're just adding paints. I mean, I, w- I, w- I can say from, for a fact, I think that, Zach and me will definitely throw herbs around, oh, yeah. traditional herbs, much more than some of the traditional expensive materials, although herbs can get expensive too, actually. but They can. When you start throwing around uh, European mandrake, it starts getting expensive. Yeah, or imports from Asia gets expensive. Although I don't think that we would need that. Well, we could definitely find alternatives. I mean, this kind of reminds me of examples of what Jason's done in the past when he's done like Ziploc bags, right? <laughs> Yeah, let's not talk about the graveyard dirt talisman that you had for months until I kept mercilessly making fun of Jason for carrying around a Ziploc bag of graveyard dirt as his talisman because it was aesthetically offensive to me. First off, these two bastards are wrong. It was four Ziploc bags. Oh, oh, oh okay, 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 that's, oh, we're wrong, okay, you're right. Cemetery dirt taken from a particular extra creepy cemetery all four corners individually and when i dug out the dirt i had eight stones each bag of dirt received a stone that was magically and ritualistically linked to the other four stones which i buried in the cemetery at the four corners in ziploc bags and i made my home talisman from four ziploc bags and bound them together. Yes, I did. He, he did. Can you see why I would be aesthetically offended by that? Can anyone see that? I'll tell you a story. After I made said talisman from Creepy Cemetery, I had a dream one night. I had a dream that these spirits were talking to me from over at the cemetery. Like, I actually had this dream that I was standing outside the gate of the cemetery, right? And they're like, you need to come today. You need to come. 
problems come today i'm like what okay and i wake up and i'm like all confused like why would these these ghosts at the cemetery be telling me come you need to come today there's trouble and i kind of poo-pooed that i just thought i was having a weird dream but then i went down to a friend's store later that day and i go into the back room of said store and there's this thing that looks suspiciously like a uh a casket elevator and i look at the store's henchman that was sitting there and i go hey you did take a trip down to x cemetery this morning did you yeah yeah i did why are you asking and i go dude go put that back i didn't say they weren't effective i just critiqued their aesthetic value i'll grant you that they were effective i mean i myself have used your those talismans you know i mean we pretty much worked out the method for that so it's not like i i don't admit they're effective i just aesthetically find them unpleasing and ghetto a little too ghetto even for uh, andrea andrea is just being prissy because he immediately made his uh ceramic instead of plastic so you know no no dude just a second there uh, i went and knew what i was looking for and the cross is very much associated with barons and i had I had been scoping out ceramic crosses that I could fill with graveyard dirt for a long time. So it's not like I knew exactly what I wanted. And I told the store owner, who was my friend, who's a Polero, to actually get me these things. And they knew what I was doing, too. So it wasn't quite as spontaneous as that. I'd been working on it for a little while, even before you had the Ziploc baggy and rubber band method of talisman creation. Yours, yours are very nice. And I have since started to use similar methods myself. They're very nice. And, and thank you for teaching me the error of my plastic ways. Oh, really? You're going to go there, huh? You know, it's not that we have an all. Like, I can speak for myself. I've gone pretty ghetto, too, with plastic bottles at some point. Mind you, I transferred it out of the plastic bottle after. But at the moment... Plastic baggies for months until I... He, he's not saying that. I mercilessly made fun of him over these plastic baggies for months and then he said okay i'm gonna change it over because i don't want to be made fun of anymore first off boys we can't say ghetto i think it's suburban challenge now or something like that but anyway we're having a lot of fun with each other right now folks but the point is i want to bring this back to a primary central point that using better materials versus cheaper materials the real results came from the magical axe used not the material uh you know what the thing is though if it was gifted who knows Right? For me, gifts have a very different property. Even starting talismanic work on a gift than something I purchased myself. I mean, right. they're very different, actually. Rat, like to the point that most of the talismans that I have that are really, and this might just be a psychological thing too, but other people I know have also reported that, but a lot of talismans that are really my go-to talismans started as gifts you know such like this right thanks zach you're welcome yeah and i think there is the overall exchange piece here that adds to that it's like all right you already have an extra bonus piece before starting and then at least with the formal talisman work where i made it out of the right materials i was so deep into the work that that was a reward so i couldn't tell the effectiveness versus the material although i would bet it would have failed Zach's test of efficiency because it did. I didn't do that initially. I did it as a reward, kind of like a, wow, you've gotten such good results. Here's a copper seal type of thing. Mm -hmm. In some cases, like that also depends, right? So for certain things, a metal seal might not be as efficient. It might actually be counterproductive. The materials like seem like they could work against some certain types of things. Now, obviously for other types of spirits, like the metal is actually helpful, you know, like it, it 
like if we're going to summon a goon, right? Having a railroad spike is iron, but, uh, you know, we're doing classical various forms of ancient fairy magic that usually wouldn't go over so well. Right. And I think this also depends on, again, correspondences between systems. Like some people give me gifts and I'm like, um, this is actually kind of offensive to me, actually. Do I give you a gift that was offensive to you? No, you, no, you did not. However, there are points where it's like, I might be in a working paradigm system, and that typically wouldn't be offensive to me, but because I'm so deep in that system while I'm doing that type of work, when someone gives me a certain thing, I'd be like, okay, like you're giving me a piece of wood. Cool, but do you know the association of what this is in the system? And it's actually completely counter if I were in a different mindset. So this goes into like, what are the system differences because multiple systems can look at one thing as two different things and they have different messagings. Yeah, I mean, I think we got a discussion in Pagan Pride last year uh, about cinnamon. And I was making a basic correspondence agreement that their cultures don't really agree on the correspondences for cinnamon. And someone else said, I'm absolutely wrong. Until an Asian woman said, no, you're wrong to the other person, right? They're like, yeah, we don't agree with Western uh, classical uh, versions of this. And I, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at uh, Ayurvedic to Western magic or Ayurvedic to uh, Chinese medicine, they don't actually always match up. No, they don't. And even within the system, it depends on who you're talking to, right? Like we could say cinnamon in Chinese medicine, metaphysics, it's, it has a certain correspondence, but then most people may not have the association even within Chinese culture that it could be solar. Right, but there are traditions that do say it's directly solar, mm -hmm. and there's traditions that it's definitely not correct. Which brings us to a mid-show point. Happy birthday, Lord Ganesh! Happy birthday, Lord Ganesh! Well, it was yesterday, but no, it's ten days, man. He, he gets a good party. Ten days. Oh, nice. It was yesterday, but that aside, everyone on Facebook can see. There you go. Now that aside, oh, you should move to the side a little bit, Zach. Wait, wait, wait. Other way. Happy birthday, Lord Ganesh. Happy birthday. Okay, fellas, I'm not going to go to the living room to get the giant Ganesh, so. Okay, that's all right. We, we did it for you. So one of the things is, like, we're talking about this resonance and how long it matters, right? Like, certainly I would say some of the talismans that I wanted to have much longer. I mean, the key point that Zach raised is still the sufficiency point, which is one that you never actually hear out, outside of us. We're like, I mean, we're basically magical engineers and I'm more or less chaos magicians, but... You know, we're not only chaos magicians, but I don't know how you get around being a chaos magician since it's a meta paradigm. It's not a thing in itself. But besides that, it's efficiency. Like, this is what Zach's argument was, that it's a hard one to argue. Like, you could certainly go and get gold, spend five years learning how to carve gold and, like, get really good at metal crafting. And then you could spend another 30 days engraving or a couple days engraving a seal so you don't do it wrong. And learning to craft a jewelry craft, is that an efficient use of time versus magical result? Yeah. And uh, this also gets into like, you know, we were just talking about Lord Ganesh. However, I know in Hindu, they're like, okay, silver has a certain resonance. Gold has a certain resonance. Copper has a certain resonance. And they're very specific on what that means. But if you understand metallurgy, the processes are similar in some bases, but the timeline on that, very different how to work with those metals. So when you're talking about this investment of time, it's either like you hire someone, but you know you're not going to get that for another month or two. 
depending how detailed that work is. So that in itself, I think, goes back to a time piece psychologically. And is that a material thing or not? Because the person having to do that work now is investing time to work in it, even if it's not you. I've never found that if I just pay an artisan to make me something, it's for aesthetic reasons. I'm not, and I, I mean, I know people can argue with that. Right. I found no personal magical efficacy from hiring someone to make something for me. And even the people who made something for me aesthetically that was pleasing, would it was me who imbued it. Like even people who are magicians who claim to be doing something, I found no additional efficacy from their work as a craftsman. Like now that's not to say their work wasn't gloriously aesthetically awesome. It was. Um, but magical efficacy, I found no increase from that. That's a little different than if I was imbuing the magical properties of the items myself. Right. Now, then, yes, there is a magical efficacy. If I'm doing the painting myself, if I'm doing the... I don't know how to do metal work, but I'm, I'm certainly thinking about doing stone and glass work. But there would certainly be an efficacy effect if I'm doing it myself. Now that said, when I make mojo bag for people, it certainly has an efficacy effect. They work and people can feel them right away. So, you know, is it, but then again, I'm not spending the time to actually invest. I'm spending time in the magic there and maybe to work out the formula, but I'm not spending the time so much on the craftsmanship. So my intention isn't, it's it's focused on the magic. Like in case people don't know what a mojo bag is, like, yes, it's a little baggy. There's not a lot of, I mean, you can make them prettier artistically speaking, but generally speaking, they're a bag of cloth with some herbs and stones and other items in them. So there's not this artisan type of stuff going on. You know, but if I want a Hebrew and blaze sword, I haven't found it. And I'm just saying that's my personal thing. I'm sure if I had a belief effect where it happened, but I was trying to be objective about some of these. And I've bought some of these talisman type things. And just the craftsmanship isn't the same as the magical work. Like, yes, the craftsmanship's fine, but unless you're doing it with intention, it doesn't doesn't matter. Now that said, some of the materials that I've actually had access to did seem to hold the resonance for longer but some of these talismans that i have like i don't need them to hold the resonance that long right like i i need it to do work with a spirit for a while and then i'm done well some i don't like you know some of the seals that i have those are probably could be considered longer term relationship and certainly you know the materials that i have for some of the voodoo talismans are just herbal so they're not they don't have a permanency once the herbs are get destroyed that's it they're done right and i think i mean jason what's your experience on that honestly you know i make all my own stuff and i make it out of pretty cheap materials so i think it, it's situational it depends on what i'm doing at what particular point in time you have to ask me a more specific question so specifically it's like have you found a difference between you know you actually working on something like you know from scratch versus actually maybe doing a painting or something a little more artisanal while doing the work okay as in taking somebody else's art and imbuing it versus making my own my argument would be that it's always easier for for me to imbue my own handiwork even if it's less aesthetically pleasing right and take prettier stuff that i have other people make and there's some things i'd like to have that i'd probably have other people make for me of course that's also the beauty that my girl is a lot better of an artist than i am so i may just have her do it but imbue something that somebody else makes because it's more aesthetically pleasing it takes about double the amount of effort for me but that's my my two cents right i would say it depends wholly on who's giving it to you and who's making it right like 
for instance, uh, I could talk about the Simbi painting you gave me. It was not necessarily, it was easy to work with because I trust you. And from a talisman point of view, it was easy for me to use that, even to get, to imbue it further to get it in possession. Likewise, I think I've given Zach and you gifts that I, they were seemingly pretty easy to imbue mm-hmm. um, because you trust me and we're friends. The social relationship made a big difference on this. I, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, this were the resonance of the pieces were easier to get into resonance because you're, you weren't working against me. You basically took it at face value and then started from there. I think part of the issue is it's quite possible that the artisan work, although this is actually outside of the my my particular mojo bags that I've given people, you know, but then I, I also do that a little bit differently too because I ask people for their photos even though it's a mojo bag, which you usually don't do. But that's just so that the mojo bag will actually can connect with the person. So I might be stacking the deck in a way that it doesn't work against them. It's it's trying to interact with them in a more direct way, in the same way as if I was their friend and you have a natural thing. You know, when I purchased, um, maybe this is a whole argument against purchased talismans, right? It's not if you really want the aesthetics in a way. Like that's not to say there's not gloriously beautiful talismans that you could buy that you could pay glorious amounts of money for or exceedingly monstrous amounts of money depending on your perspective on whether or not you're paying or receiving i guess mm-hmm. um but in a way it's like what you both said is exactly what happens to me like i have to work at getting it to be okay that i can work with it it isn't like it comes out of the box and i'm like look at this glorious wand or look at this glorious sword this glorious knife that has been a cue to mars i'm like i ain't having it i'm really not having it it might be glorious but it's going to take me a while and maybe that's a process of actually undoing what they put into it because we're just not trusting it because it's not it's not right for us or it's not in the right vibe, you know. Right. And uh, I mean, I think this is important too. I mean, a caveat point maybe to this or to reinforce it is like if you, there are objects and now this is very shamanic where you're drawn to them and they're already somewhat empowered, but it's from the spirit trying to get to you and you know that. That might be a different thing that gets into the connection point of resonance where Correct. if it's a shamanic type of system and it's an artifact that's passed through multiple hands and it's reaching out to you. Well, now at that point, that kind of talisman is trying to make a connection to you. You could argue that those type of talismans who've passed through generations, of which I have a couple uh, from Julie and other places, they are meant to be in my hands. They already have a sympathy. They're, they're, those talismans get into another argument that they're closer to spirits in themselves than talismans per se though they they have some rudimentary volition actually my mojo bags when i make them have a rudimentary volition there's talismans that we're not talking about created talismans for purchase like these are gifted again they're usually gifted those type of talismans but they have intelligence they will reject people like i have talismans that i received from my family that were originally in my brother's hands and they rejected him right they they would refuse to work with him and I, that the reverse would also be true there, there would be talismans that i could receive that i just would want nothing to do with that would he would be able to work with much easier just because of our personality differences and our magical styles differences and what type of energies we work with are totally different. And I could see that that occurring. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's talismans that honestly you're describing like that, that I would never want to actually have in my house ever, even from other family members, because they would not get along with me. Because we're talking about rudimentary intelligence here. They would actually, I mean, and maybe we're, we're getting into a piece that should be a whole nother show. Like what happens when your talismans become alive, right? At first we talked about resonance, but now we're talking about 
them an intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't necessarily think all talismans do, especially when they're made. Absolutely. But more often than not, the ones that we seem to throw around do. Well, yeah. And I mean, on the specific piece, like you're talking about the family passing down, it's like, I know I've gone to a Hindu store that's not in Toronto anymore. And I, I purchase things and I'm like, okay, this is the statue I need to buy, but I know the spirit picked it for me. It was very evident. Right. But that, that gets into a whole different discussion with back to the intelligence of the spirit there. Well, that is true. Like there has been talismans where the spirit is clearly saying, get this. And it's, this particular thing, it might have been sitting in a store for years and mm-hmm. no one purchases it. I mean, that that happens, but then it's like, and at that point, it does go easier than if in the artisan creating a, a thing for you, but it's still at that point might not be imbued in itself. Correct. It's more aligned, it's more resonant with you because for some reason the spirit is is helping create the resonance between you and the statue. But by itself, I would argue at that point, it's not that you are getting a magical talisman from a store. Because I don't want anyone to think that they go in a store and here we go, you're called through divination to go buy a statue and this is the right statue and it's totally imbued when you get it out of that. Oh yeah, no, it wouldn't be like that. You'd still have to do work with it and imbue it. It's just one step, a little bit easier. Could be an impact where you feel like it's imbued, but I would... A double-blind study on that, I would bet no one else would. Right. I mean, maybe even the act of, if you've done lots of magical work, you might, once you have purchased it, it might transfer the resonance into that, like the spirit's transferring the resonance in it for you. But more often than not, I would I would probably bet that it would take at least a couple rituals to kind of imbue that. It's not like you go to store. Oh, it's fully active? Yeah, no. No, no. I mean, maybe if you're purchasing a blessed talisman, but then I would argue you really have to trust who blessed it. Unless, Well, maybe it's just us. Maybe we're just paranoid magicians. Rouse just goes and buys or uses whatever. They don't care. They're like, oh, this this works and whatever. Great. It's like, we're like, you know, totally cynical magicians. We're like, yeah, if it's got anyone else's energy at all, we're like, uh, no, I'm like, at least I'm like that. I can say that. Not anyone else is like, sure, my wife makes me an artistic product. I'm like, nice job, wife. Excellent work. You know, if Zach gives me some blessed needles and sticks them up my butt. Maybe not your butt, dude, but. And that was just a joke. <laughs> like, uh, you know, but still, I'm like, okay. And if Jason gives me something, it's usually okay, but it, it's. Maybe that's a big part that we're getting to this is this resonance depends a lot on the context of the energy connections between people, as well as the actual imbuing of the system, the stuff you're working with. Let me let me be a little blunt from my perspective, because I don't care to offend anyone. A little blunt. A little blunt. I, I agree that I prefer the stuff I've gotten from your, you guys and vice versa. You know, because yes, I do trust you guys. I will say there's a small handful of magicians not in our personal clique that that I have received things from over the years that I think were good talismans. And I'm not going to trash or condone anyone at this point, but I think that the things online that I thought were like the most legitimate weren't extravagantly expensive. And I think the things that were very extravagantly expensive weren't legit, but that's my two cents. It's a marketing game like everything else. Know who you're buying your supply from. That's always going to be a key. Like, who is... I, th- I think that's tr- more than trivially important, but it's like, it's gotten lost, you know, in the, in the marketing games and the kind of idea. Like, you, you you used to know who the craftsmen were when you were buying it. And that's, I mean, that's critical. I mean, like, you can't stress that enough. Well, right. I mean, it gets into social fabric stuff and knowing the people. 
instead of getting it made in China and shipped to you. Do you have a problem with the made in China, Zach? Huh? Huh? Uh, sometimes. It's cheap quality. Is it magical? And if it's full of lead, does it matter? <laughs> I can't believe he went there. He totally, he went there. <laughs> totally. He did. Next thing, he's going to be making some kind of like comment about Chinese food places and, and you know, dogs or something crazy. All I, mean, I know is I ordered a pound of lead from China once and I got some toys. You got some what? Toys. Yeah. Okay. See, not 56. That's a good way to take us right there to the bus and drive it off the cliff at the end of the show. Thanks. Great job, Jason. Uh, you know, I don't even know what to say there. Just, just having fun. So for the people who are just tuning in, this is, it's a, we're at our point. So for the second part of the show, we are going to actually make talismans out of paper. And you have to be a sponsor for that. And if you are a sponsor, we're going to go through the process uh, from the shape-shifting course. We did part of the shape-shifting course, some, just a touch of the stuff in there. It's like 400,000 words. We did that two weeks ago for the sponsors to cover a different style of invocation, which I kind of consider as a prerequisite for what we're showing tonight. But if you haven't done that, we'll work through it. If you're not a sponsor yet, and you'd like to be part of the workshop that will start at nine, Zach, put it into the Zoom chat and the Facebook. Yep. Yep. Give me a second on that. I've been, as a show, we kind of been working on the last few weeks, getting a different hosting company, a whole bunch of stuff like that behind the scenes, which now we're done migrating the whole web server that was broken to the new hosting so that that's good but we are working on possibly getting guests again me and zach and we have to bring jason into that and we're willing to do that in a certain way which we'll discuss soon soon enough we are still working on the planetary for those who are listening many people wanted us to do a series of planetary workings which we're going to do have a series of planetary shows some from a chaos magic point of view we're probably going to talk about that from a chaos magic point of view a lot so that's what's coming up on the show deeper down the rabbit hole if you this is your first time watching deeper down the rabbit hole totally appreciate it and love it stay safe stay well and stay excellent and with that we wish you a good night and for the sponsors we'll take a five minute break and come back get down to some magical goodies some magical work <laughs> 